everybody. Welcome or welcome back to the Fuel Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. We want to thank all of you that give generously to this ministry. It's because of your giving that this ministry is possible. To give, you can visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, without further ado, I want to bring my pastor up. He's been a a huge blessing to my life and to this church. If you've never heard him, buckle up, get ready. Um, And uh, we are so blessed that he took time out of his schedule, travels all over the world, to be here with us today. Would you stand to your feet and give honor to my pastor, Pastor Phil Muncie? Come on. Thank you so much. You may be seated. It's an honor to be here with you on your birthday today to celebrate both the legacy and the new wineskin and the new thing that God has done in the last six years. And I'm just so proud of you. I want to tell you that this past year has been a very difficult year for the world and for the country and even for the church. You are an anomaly. You're one of the first churches that had the courage to gather together and to uphold God's church in a time when the world needed it. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness and for your support and what you mean to this church. And I want you to know that putting confidence in God, putting confidence in this church and in one another will not disappoint. And I want you to know that I serve, my wife and I serve your pastor. We are there for them. So we make ourselves available 24-7. And when they have stories of joy and they want to brag about you, I love to listen. And then when they're sad and they're frustrated, I listen. And they have such a great heart of honor and I honor them. You know, everybody needs people in their life that knows you and knows you. Did you get that? And that's the way we feel about your pastors. So I want you to have a sense that even though we know that God's in charge, there's an accountability there that we have with your pastor so that he will never be discouraged. He can always have encouragement. 1,700 pastors resign every month in this country. And most of them, because of tired, burned out, can't take the pressure that's not going to happen because we got your we got your your pastors back and we represent Joel and Victoria Osteen and Lakewood Church Champions Network of about 700 pastors so we're all in this together amen <clears throat> so God bless you today and thank you uh, I love the music here uh, worship is so important it's the soundtrack to a church and you have a wonderful gift of <laughs> worship thank you my brother I want to teach and share with you today the the purpose and the power of the church. This is a little bit of a different message, uh, but I only come uh, once a year, or at least here on our anniversary, I've come here to kind of share with you a truth that will really encourage you, because first of all, you're doing what I'm going to be preaching about today. You're here, and so I want to encourage you and put value on all of the effort that it took for you to be here today and help you understand the purpose and the power of the church. 
You know, the church is God's only project right now. He's not working on the Grand Canyon. He's not working on anything else. He did all that the seventh day and said it was good. God's project now is his church. If you went to God's office, there'd be a whiteboard there. His to-do list would be, I'm building my church. So tomorrow, he's not going to be at the White House, nor at the United Nations, nor in Wall Street. He's not waiting for the sounding bell to go off. No, he's gathering with his people today. Because the only hope for the world is his church. And so we get to be a part of that. So what is it all about? Well, there's a wonderful passage of scripture in the Psalms. And um, David wrote most of them, uh, 150 songs, actually. And I want to share with you 133. It made the chart at 133. I think it should have been much higher up, but nonetheless, I didn't do the picking. So here it is. It's a short psalm. And this is one of the songs that the children of Israel would sing on their way to church. So they had a custom that as they walked towards the tabernacle, they would sing certain songs to give them the right mindset. And this is one of them. Behold, how good, how pleasant it is for fuel church to dwell together in unity. Ah, uh, it is like oil, oil upon the head, running down the beard. Whose beard? The beard of Aaron, their pastor, the leadership, running down, down to the edge of his garments, like the dew of Hermon coming down, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there, for there is the commanded blessing, life evermore. So would you get this picture in your mind with me? I want you to see that God is saying, I love when my people are together. I love when they have unity. It's good. It's pleasant. I don't know about you, but I need a lot more good and a lot more pleasant things going on in my life. And essentially, if you go to a a good church like this, it's good. It's pleasant. It's good for you. It's good for God. It makes God happy to see us coming together in unity. And we just need a lot more heaven. We need a lot more goodness. We've had too much hell. We need to get the hell out and the heaven in. Uh, I, I just like to say that. I'd get in trouble for saying that, but I can say that because you know the way I said it, right? Right? Get the hell out. Get that heaven in. God is pleased when we come together. When we come together in unity, there's incredible things that happen. We'll talk about them for a few minutes. We get access to God that we can't get individually. That only comes when we're together. We have accountability so we can take care of each other and be aware and help each other out. We have an authority when we come together that we don't have in our personal prayer life. We have a whole other level of authority released when we come together in unity. And there's an anointing. I want you to see that oil. Did you see it in your mind? Could you see the oil being poured on Aaron's head and that oil then going down his beard and then all the way down until there. Oh, I want you to see there. I want you to see there. That's a place that you're going to live in because I'm going to pray for you today. And when I do, I'm going to ask God to release an anointing on you. Today, before you go out those doors, you're going to receive the commanded blessing upon your life. 
And like oil, it's going to make things run smoother. Like oil, it's going to give you energy. Like oil, it's going to heal your hurts. Like oil, it's going to release a supernatural power to break addictions off of your life. That oil is going to be given to you today in just a few minutes. That oil is a commodity that all of us have. God has given us the oil. That oil and how we use it determines whether or not we have access to the commanded blessing. Oil is your time. Oil is your talent. Oil is your treasure. We've all been given time on the earth. It's a commodity. It's precious. We've all been given a talent. That talent is to be used to produce and to to create things and to serve one another. And we've all been given access to money, to treasures. And how we handle that oil determines, in fact, to the degree that you know where to put that honor is the degree of which you're able to receive the commanded blessing. If by default you allow your time, talent, and treasure to be squandered, then you lack the ability to walk in that commanded blessing because the commanded blessing starts on the top and it descends and goes down. So then it becomes very important, like the woman that washed the feet of Jesus with the alabaster box where she took that oil, which was a whole year's salary, and she poured it on the head of Jesus until it dripped and she washed his feet with her hair. This oil is our commodity. It is heaven's currency. And so we must be deliberate. And that honor begins by starting at the top. So the first thing we do is say we honor God with our time, like you did today. You honored God today by coming. We honor God with our talent by serving Because it's first come, first serve. You come, you serve. Because you have a talent, you have something to give. And then we give God our treasures. We honor. We honor God. We honor those in authority. We honor our pastors. We're supposed to honor government officials, civil workers, our bosses. We're supposed to honor those that have authority. But the Bible says pastors are worthy of double honor. Double? Why? Well, because pastors, they handle the church. They are responsible to the church. And guess what means the most to God? Sure. Government, CEOs, athletes. That doesn't mean that much to God. In fact, for God to see all these people making, getting all that honor and his people and his pastors? No. He wants culture to value him and his church and those that he's called to be servants. You can never go wrong honoring your pastor. Yeah, but I don't want to honor him too much because he's human. Yeah, but you're honoring the office, not him. And when you honor the office, you're pouring oil on those that God has called. And when you pour that oil, the oil of honor you pour ultimately comes to you, comes to you, comes to you. And now as you honor, you are honored. Your children honor you. Your wife honors you. Your husband honors you. Your boss honors you. You see, 
That's the way honor works. And so you handle that honor and you learn how. And so in a culture of honor at Fuel Church, we honor our pastors. And I love the way our pastor honors his pastors and, and the history and the legacy. This is a rich culture. Our nation is falling apart at the seams. No worries. The churches are awakening. It's going to turn around. But we have lost all honor in our culture. It's hard to get our husbands and wives to honor each other. It's difficult to get our children to honor their parents. We actually live in a culture that is very dishonoring. They teach our young people they can make decisions without their parents. They teach our young people that they can uh, have certain operations and that they can decide to do things without their parents' permission. It's a culture that says there is no honor. But when there is no honor, there is no oil. When there is no oil, there is no aroma. There is no strength. There is no, it, there's friction. There is pain. There is hurt. And so the greatest thing you can do for your children is to show them how to honor by honoring the pastor, by honoring those that are in authority over you and be that. And then as you honor, believe that it's going to drip down and they're going to be honorable. We say, let there be honor in the house. We honor our marriage. We honor the institution of marriage. Jeannie and I have been married for 43 years. Someone says, how's it feel to be married to the same person for 43 years? I have no idea. Because she's been at least seven different women in our marriage. It's like, who are you? Okay, let's go on a date. Let's see how's this going to work. And then you fall in love again. And I got the best version of her now. Yeah. You know what? We honored marriage. We honored the institution of marriage. We honored vows as our head. I'm not the head of you. You're not the head of me. Our vows are the head. The institution of marriage is our honorable thing. And as we honored marriage, honored marriage honored us. You see how that works? It starts up. You start up, and then it comes down. Where is your honor? And as you understand this culture, you begin to recognize the power of your oil that you have. We honor God with our talent by when we come together, we serve each other. Don't hide your talent. That talent's precious. Put that talent in the right place. Don't just give your talent to be paid for by man. Don't just use your talent and then let somebody put a $20 price tag on it per hour or a $100 hour price tag on it. When you serve one another, you're putting a value on it. What man rewards, God doesn't. What what man doesn't reward, God does. Anything you can do in secret without getting paid for it, anything you can do that comes from your heart and you're not on payroll for it, that is precious oil. And when you pour it, it will become that access to your commanded blessing. And then our treasure, our treasure is our money. Money is an oil that God wants to bless you with. When the money's not right, there's friction. When the money's not right, there's a lot of hurt. I always say, you know, people that have a lot of money have a lot of problems. People that have no money have just one problem. No money. <laughs> and you must understand something about God. God is good and God is pleasant. Say with me, God is good and God is pleasant. That's his nature. God is good and God is pleasant. 
You see, I was honored to be Oral Roberts' pastor for many years. And one time he said to me, he said, I'm going to die soon. I've got things inside me that I don't want to take to my grave. Do you want them? I said, sir, not a word you say will fall to the ground. He said, never, never, ever take an offering from the people. Uh, what? Now, how are we going to be able to do the ministry? And then I listened and he said this. The word take is not part of what God's vocabulary is made of. For God is never a taker. Phil, no more than the earth is a taker, God doesn't take. You see, a farmer knows that his seed is not going to be taken and devoured and robbed from him. A farmer takes a seed. You've never seen a farmer do this. Oh, seed, I don't want to let go of you. I need you. If I let go of you, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Oh, no. Here's a good farmer. Where? You're going to put, give me some land I can put in it. Can I get the harvest from this? Thank you very much. I'm putting that seed in because when the seed is sown, it's not the last time you see that seed. It comes back in the way. That's the nature of God. Pour the oil on the top, and when it drips down, it comes back to you, pressed down, shaken, running together. You see, every dollar is a seed. Second Corinthians chapter 9 says, that God provides seed for the sower. God is so cool. God like gives you the seed and then you sow it and you get to be like, it's like our kids. Next week is Father's Day. You're going to give your kids money and then they're going to go to Walmart and buy you an ugly tie. And then when they open up the, uh, you know, and they come in and your seven-year-old's going to be so proud and you're going to open it up and you're going to say, oh, I love it. Thank you. You shouldn't have. And that seven-year-old boy goes, Oh, I picked it myself. (laughs) Now, let's rewind. You gave them the money to buy your gift. What are you doing? You're giving him the blessing of giving and giving him the joy of giving. God doesn't take anything from you. In fact, he gives you the seed so that when you sow it, you can feel good so you can have a harvest. God is not a taker. I know it feels scary. Every dollar God gives you, it's like you got to hold on and squeeze to it. But look, one time I was eating an apple and God taught me a lesson. I took a bite of the apple casually and all of a sudden that conversation was going on in my spirit. And God said to me, Phil, do you like that apple? I said, uh, yes. He said, good. I took another bite. He said, Phil, are you enjoying this? Uh, yeah. He said, good, Phil. I made that apple for you. I want you to enjoy it. I took another bite. He said the texture, the skin, the way it crunches, the way it, 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 it fills your taste buds and the whole experience of it. I thought of you when I made that apple so you could enjoy it. Now, I was raised in a real guilt-driven church. And anything fun was a sin. And God was angry. So for God to tell me to enjoy this apple was like, okay. Took another bite. He said, Phil, your vacation, your car, your home, your clothes, your hobby, all of the things on the earth I made for you, I want you to enjoy them. Wow. Thanks, God. Then as I got to the core of the apple, his tone changed a bit. And then there was a serious tone. And he said, ah, but the seed in that apple is not for you to eat. That seed belongs to me. 
put it back where it came from. And if you do, Phil, you'll never lack for apples. In fact, your children's children's children will never be without. But you must understand that moment. And that's when he taught me that in every dollar God gives me, there's a seed in there that Walmart, Nordstrom's, my mortgage bank, they can do nothing with it. When I give them a seed, it just goes under their ledger. They can do nothing with it. They have no ability to open it up and let it bloom and blossom and harvest. No, he gives me seed for the sower. When I honor him and I put that seed every dollar, then God says, oh, you wait. You're going to step into a commanded blessing of God because God is good. His intention is to make your life pleasant. Amen. And so when we see these come under this this power and purpose of church, when we come together in his name, the Bible says, where two or three are gathered in his name, Matthew 18. And the context of this chapter is about when, especially when there's conflict and there's difficulties. And the church is a place where when you come together, God does this. He says, I will be there in the midst of them. Now, hang on just a second. Would you just go with me for a second with this idea? Hebrews says that the Lord is with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. So if he says two or three gathered, I'm there. I don't get it. Are you saying that he's with me all the time? Yes, I am. So then what does it mean that he's in the midst? God can come to us when we are gathered in his name collectively in a bigger capacity than we can handle individually. The best illustration is in science. They call it synergy. Synergy is when two different agents come together and the sum total is greater than the two combined. The best illustration that I can understand is a two by four can carry 30 pounds of pressure. So if you're building, you know that can hold 30 pounds of pressure. But if you nail the two two by fours together, now you're thinking, okay, not 30, now another 30, that's 60, but you would be wrong. One two-by-four, 30. A second two-by-four, 30. Nail them together. They now can carry 90 pounds of pressure. And that's called synergy. It's the mystical magic of what happens when one and two come together. That's why we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Because we recognize that when we come together, Jesus is going to show up. Every time it's church time, pick your time and show up because Jesus is going to be there. And you're going to have access to him in a way you can't have by yourself. You have accountability when you come together. There's a beautiful ability when you come to the house of God. You come and you take communion. Communion is so important. You're to remember the Lord's body and do it often. Take the cup. Take the bread. Take the 10 seconds and take communion. There's healing in it. But the body of Christ is more than just that cup and that bread. You are to do that do it often, but it's also to trigger that his body is also his church. And we are then to be able to discern the Lord's body, meaning we need to learn how to recognize each other, communicate to each other. Look at somebody right now. I need to do a little experiment. Would you just be just cooperative? Look at somebody. Come on, look at somebody. Look up and say these words, Jesus, is that you in there? And the answer is? Yes. 
Yes. You see, Jesus is so big, so beautiful, so magnificent, so powerful that he divides himself up in members in particular. And you've got a part of Jesus that I don't have. And when I recognize you, when I respect you, when I discern you, when I pay attention to you, you see, I get something. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together because I show up. And when you learn how to talk to each other and you learn how to have relationships with each other, then what's going to happen is I'm going to give each other, each one of you a gift and a talent and a word, and you're going to be able to help each other. And he said, because you have forsaken the assembling of yourself together, some of you are sick. You're under Satan, oh, Satan oppression. And listen, some of you in your church have died before their time. Now, that's pretty serious. Why? Because you weren't talking. You weren't being accountable. See, church is where you count, and you can be counted on. See, the more you miss church, the less you're missed. And the more you miss church, the less you miss the significance of you being there. Imagine that this church only had one Bible. One Bible. There was no other Bible, and you had one page of that Bible. How sad would it be for you to keep that page and not bring it and share it? That's what we do when we come together. We are the body of Christ. And don't be afraid. The worst thing that had happened in this pandemic is it's a terrible thing to see the 570,000 lives. I've had too many friends taken in that. But I'm going to tell you, Worse than that is what we tried to do to stop it because we did inhuman things. We told people to stay at home. I know. We didn't know what else to do. I don't, no blame, no guilt. I'm not being judgmental. We told people to put a mask on so that we can't really talk and interact with each other. And we told people to stay six feet apart from each other. I get it. I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm just saying that's not the way we were created. And certainly in the body of Christ, we cannot allow those things to be a part of our spiritual culture. We can't stay at home. Look, online is valuable. I'm telling your pastor, you better get the best equipment. You better get the best light. Get online because this church is going to be seen around the nation. I'm going to prophesy Everyone, every nation will be represented one day watching what goes on in this church. And I will also tell you that people will watch us online before they'll walk into this church unless they have a friend or a family. So we better put our best faith forward. And for those that can't come, online church is a tool that we're going to need to use more and more. May God provide the finances for that to happen. But let me tell you this, you cannot discern the body and you can't have virtual relationship if you don't know each other. You have to go horizontal. Vertical is the pulpit. Vertical is online. Vertical is the singing. Vertical is the stage to the pew. But God is not limited to that. He's asking the pew and you to learn how to minister to each other. Accountability. Number three, we have authority. When we come together, we have a level of authority. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, whatsoever you ask, I will answer that in fact there's two times the scripture says 
binding and loosening. Did you know there's a prayer called binding and loosening? But it's only mentioned twice, Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. And it has to do with the authority that the church has when we come together. You don't have the authority to bind and loose, really. Now, you can take authority over the devil. You have authority over the devil. And you can stand and resist the devil and he will flee. But there is an extra power that's only released in our gatherings that we have the ability to bind and loose. Now, this is a personal opinion, but I am passionate about it. The devil knows how powerful the assembly is. And he decided he'd jump on this pandemic and use it to release spirits of fear, suicide, anxiety. And he had a free ride because the church was not assembling. We were just doing, we just didn't know what to do. It didn't matter. The devil took advantage of it. And in the last 12, 14 months, there has been a release of so many demonic, oppressive spirits, people going back to their addictions, people taking their lives. Why? Because there was a restraining force that was not engaged because the majority, thank God, not this church, but the majority, there are churches in California that still have not yet gathered. They're going 16, 17 months without being together. I'm just saying to you, church is not just hanging out. Church is what means the world to our God. Church is where God says, what time are they meeting? When are they meeting? Because I will be there. And when I'm there, I'm going to give them the authority to bind on earth what needs to be bound in heaven. And whatsoever they loose on earth, I'm going to loose in heaven. Sorry to be so intense. You understand my point. Because I say right now, the spirit of fear, you be gone. I need you to say amen to that, three of you, two of you. Long after the science proves that we're safe, there'll be people wearing masks. Because it's not about the science now. It's going to be about the spirit of fear. And we're in church. And we have access to God. And we have an accountability. And we have authority. And when I get done saying this, I want you to say amen like you believe that what you do when you say amen absolutely is registered in heaven. So I take authority over the spirit of fear and all of its demons of depression, anxiety, stress, overwhelm, physical, spirits of infirmities, all of the things that the enemy has been able to operate with no resistance. I say today on our sixth birthday at this very moment where God I know almighty is here and I know that we have authority right now that I say in the name of Jesus we bind it and we loosen a move of God and his Holy Spirit and if you believe that say amen three or four times like you believe it. the power of unity of the oil that flows that's the power of access to God that we cannot have individually that's the oil flowing that gives us accountability to eliminate the frictions so that we can resolve our issues because see you know when you came to church today you all just thought you you all just kept looking at the stage here you all just kind of looked at each other Y'all just were singing songs and listening to your pastor. But from heaven's perspective, there was a lot of things going on. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. 
Uh, go to Hebrews, uh, the 10th chapter, I think verse 21. Let me show you some magic. That's, I, I, I use the word magic, sorry, I'm just magi. Watch this. This is all talking about when we come to church. We have a high priest. High, high priest. He's here right now. Let me just tell you that. He's here. Over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full of assurance of grace, of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, let me explain this to you. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, they would do all their sin offerings, all their burnt offerings, okay? And then at one point, the priest would walk in in the congregation, the tent of meetings, just like this. Are you ready? And then the high priest would take the blood. He would take the blood and he would do this. And he would sprinkle it and everybody would get a little drop of the blood. And that resolved what was called in Numbers 15, unintentional sins. Things I'm doing wrong that I'm not even aware of. The high priest said, I got you. This is what he says happens. When you walked into these doors and you were just singing and you're checking everybody out. Your high priest was sprinkling this auditorium with his blood so that your conscience would be clean. Give me Hebrews. Go on. Go, give me Hebrews. Uh, uh, the next Hebrews. Just, I, I don't know right now. I'm, uh, forsake not the assembling of yourself as some matters. Exhort even so much more. Give me the Hebrews uh, 12. Hebrews 12. There it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, when we come to church, I want you to know you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Lay aside all the weight and the sin. Uh, and go to the next one. Hebrews 12, 20. 12, aha, uh-huh. aha, uh-huh. whoa, time out, don't look, don't look, don't look, look at me, look at me, look at me. You have to have an imagination to understand church. If you don't have an imagination, you're just going to think it's a building with lights and people and it's church. Oh no, from heaven's perspective, this is the way God sees church. Oh boy, when they do that, that means I'm, my sermon's over. I was just getting warmed up. I didn't give this to the other services. I hope you can get excited about this. So, hey, Fuel Church, you didn't just come to a building. You came to Mount Zion. You came to the city of the living God. We're in the heavenly Jerusalem right now. We've come into an innumerable company of angels. that we've come to a general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are registered I don't know how God does it it's like a spiritual internet but when we gather together as a local church we're also gathering with the whole church all around the throne from every tribe and every tongue we come to God we come to God did you We come to God. You came to God when you walked in that door. You came to God the judge. Your God made things right when you walked in these doors. He made things right when you came into this door in this house today. When you go out of these doors, the judge is taking care of you. You've come to the spirits of judgment made perfect. Don't let me get weird on you. But let me tell you something. All the saints of the ages are here. 
Now, you can't talk to them because there's only one man between God and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus. But I just want you to put this in the back of your mind. Everybody's around here. Mama's here. Daddy's here. They're all here. The spirits of just men. Let me get really weird on you. You're there in the future. Encouraging you in the now. Because there's no time in God. I know that freaks you out. I know. But you're already there. Saying to the you now. You can make it. You can do it. You just wait until it's all over. You have no idea what it means to come together in the house of God in his name. Somebody give God praise. I'm out of my time and I'm out of my mind. All right, the next one, the next one. We're so done. We're so over. Uh, next, is there another verse there? Or we're done anyway. Yeah, obey. Okay, that, that, we're done. We're done. We're done. I got one minute and 37 seconds to finish 16 more points. No, I'm teasing. No, there's an anointing here. Would you get your hands out like this? There's an anointing here. I'm just trying to get you to take a little peek into what's going on while we're up here sitting down talking. There's something going on bigger. And it's time for you to come under an anointing. Aren't you tired? You need the oil. Tired of fighting and bickering with each other? You need the oil. Tired of working toil? You need less toil and more oil. Tired of your kids being disrespectful? Tired of saying ABC and everybody else hearing DFG? Tired of nobody listening to your ideas? Nobody giving you a chance? Nobody listening to you? You've got the solution, but nobody will listen to you? You need the oil. Tired of your world being filled with negativity? You need the oil. It'll change the aroma, change the circumstances. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and with the anointing. Say these words, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Let the oil of your baptism come to me now. In Jesus' name, receive. There it is right there. Let that anointing grow. Watch God do miracles. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you died right now, you don't have the confidence that you would be saved. Friend, this is your moment. Not tomorrow, not next week, now. If you want this free gift of salvation and the power to live the life God designed for you, and this is your moment, with no shame, with boldness and courage, raise your hand. I want to know who I'm praying for because I'm going to pray for you right now. All over the building, I want to be born again. I want to give my life to Christ. Lift it up high. Keep it up. This is powerful for you. Don't be ashamed. In the back, others, raise your hand. Maybe you've been so far away from the Lord, your heart has grown cold towards God. You need to make a fresh start. Do it now. Lift your hand. I'm waiting just another moment. Beautiful, beautiful. Many of you. Everyone, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. I make you my Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Not by works, but by your amazing grace. I receive the gift of eternal life. Hallelujah. Guess who's shouting right now? The angels. Let's join them. 
Come on, put your hands together. I love you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You could take a screenshot, post it on your social media, and tag us. If you ever have the opportunity, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings. For more information on our locations and service times, please visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey. See you next week.